Hey friends, welcome to today's episode. Today I'm talking with my friend Jen Myers, who is the owner of Homeschool CEO. The mission behind her business is to equipped moms who are business owners or full-time working moms to homeschool their kids or to equip them to be able to teach from home. With the ever-changing face of what school is going to look like this next year, I just felt this resounding pull that women needed to just hear that you are capable of running your business being a full-time mom, and still giving your kids the education that they need this year in whether you choose your to send your kid to school full-time or you're choosing to do online learning or you're choosing to homeschool, whatever you are doing, the one thing I want you to know is that you are a good mom. You're a good mom and you know exactly what is best for your kids. And today's episode, we're just going to dig into what is it going to look like if maybe you have to choose to homeschool or you have to choose to e-learn? How do we do this? And I think that everyone that listens to this episode is going to be able to take something away from it, whether it be you decide to homeschool, it gives you the power to know that you're going to be able to do this, or even you just learn to advocate for our kids a little bit better because we dig into some of that. Um... There's just a lot of good information in here, and I'm so excited to get this episode out to you to help give you confidence in your choices for this next school year because I know that this is weighing heavy on so many moms, and there's a lot of anxiety around what the school year is going to look like, and so I wanted to try to find you a resource that could help you, and I think Jen is the perfect person to talk us through all of this. So without further ado, here we go. Hi there, I'm Jenna Kutcher. I'm the host of the Gold Digger Podcast, and I'm so excited that you're hearing me right now because that means that I get to introduce you to my friend, Michelle Hagen, and her podcast, The Busy Years. Michelle is a mama on a mission dedicated to inspire other women to chase their dreams and their passions no matter what season of life they're in. And I've gotten the privilege to mentor and coach Michelle. She was one of my top 10 students in my community of over a thousand women, and she helped lead and inspire other mamas just like you. And now you, my friend, you get a front row seat. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. Hi, I'm Michelle, a sales and profitability strategist, mentor, and captain of your cheering squad. But most importantly, I'm a Midwest wife and mama to two spirited boys, and I'm a lover of learning, family vacations, and nap time. I built my business between the moments of motherhood, and I know that you can do it too. Being a mama is hard, and no one should have to do it alone. That's why I'm bringing women together to share their stories of motherhood, business, and blessings. So grab your coffee, wash your dishes, hey, even take a shower, because we can do this, friend, in the middle of motherhood. You're listening to the Busy Years Podcast, where motherhood and business meet. Come tired, leave inspired. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Michelle, for having me today. I'm so excited to get to know your people and share my story and remind them that they can homeschool. Yeah, I'm so excited for you to dive in and share your experience and where you were before homeschooling and going into homeschooling and how we can help moms. So why don't you give everyone a little bit of background about you and where you came from before homeschooling and into homeschooling. All right. So right now my main focus is homeschool CEO, where I'm helping entrepreneurs homeschool their kids without sacrificing their business. But that isn't where I started life. Actually, um, my story starts back in 2004. Uh, My husband and I had three kids at the time. They were eight, six, and five. So to give you a little bit of reference, they were second grade, kindergarten, and preschool. And we were getting ready to transition into the next school year. It was spring of that year of 2004. And my husband and I sat down. We decided we weren't having any additional children. 
Um, I had just been accepted to graduate school. We had a thriving business and life was totally going according to our plan. So I know right now, like your moms, maybe their life was going according to plan and then the coronavirus hit. Mm -hmm. I know what that feels like. And over the course of a couple of weeks, my husband got a vasectomy because we were done having kids. I was accepted to graduate school and we started going to parent-teacher conferences for the school year. It started with our second grader at the time we went in. And back in 2004, there wasn't the services available like there is now for all of the learning challenges and differences. And the teacher basically sat us down and said, hey, she's really behind. Um, you know, She needs additional help that right now our school system really doesn't have available for her. And I said, well, okay, what am I supposed to do? And mind I, this is my daughter who was from my husband's first marriage. So I've been raising my two oldest, my stepdaughters since they've been three and five. And she said, well, have you ever considered homeschooling? And this was a public school teacher telling me this. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, why, why would I homeschool? I'm going to graduate school. And, you know, kind of put it on the shelf, didn't think much more about it. Another week later, I went to our youngest at the time who was in preschool and sat in his parent-teacher conference. And the teacher sat with us and said, you can't send him to kindergarten next year. And I said, well, why not? And she said, well, because he's at about a third grade level in everything. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> this is our child who started reading on his own at three years old. He also speaks five languages. He's traveled the world. Uh, we later found out he's on the ASD spectrum. So mm-hmm. that had a lot, like that was just the part of his brain that was really, really developed and for languages and understanding on that end. But social skills struggled a little bit because there's always a balance there. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if I can't send him to kindergarten, what should I, what am I supposed to do? And this was a private school teacher. And she said to me, well, there's kind of this new up and coming thing called homeschooling. I think he would be a perfect candidate for that. And I sat back and I'm like, maybe the universe is trying to give me a sign. I said the same thing to her that I said to the other teacher. I'm like, there is no way in heck I'm going to homeschool. I don't look like a homeschooler. I don't sound like a homeschooler. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm busy. I'm going to graduate school. I have a plan. (laughs) And homeschooling was not in my plan. So for our moms out there that are going, this is not what I set out to do girl, I got you. I was there. I fought it. I'm like, there is no way I am not homeschooling. Long story short, the next week I sat on my bed, bawling my eyes out, exhausted. And I said to my husband, I think I'm losing my mind. I've got to be pregnant. And he said, there's no way. I just had the surgery a couple of weeks ago. We're done having kids. You're just paranoid. (laughs) Seriously, Michelle, this is how it went down. And I'm like, and I'm laughing because when you're pregnant, it's like one of those things that you're like, I know, like the second one, I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm pregnant. And like, and it was like, I shouldn't have known that. But because you go through it, you're like, nope, I know. Yeah. And I, you know, I hadn't missed my first period or anything like that. There was no signs, but I was exhausted. My emotions were all over the board. I just... I knew like I knew my body was something was not, not right. Mm -hmm. And so I took all the kids to school that day and we owned the automotive shop that was connected to our house. So it was the automotive shop, a huge blacktop driveway, and then our home. And I went to school, dropped them all off, went to the drugstore, got a pregnancy test, came home, took it all by myself. Of course, you know, it came back positive. So I'm I'm going to have a baby. And so I called my husband and I'm like, get home right now. And I'm, I'm screaming at him and I'm crying and I'm devastated. And so he runs home, you know, 30 seconds later thinking like I was injured or something was wrong with the kids. And I throw the pregnancy stick across the room at him, nail him. And he's like, oh, what are we going to do? And I said, well, I guess I'm going to homeschool. And that was my response. Like it was such a natural response. And even in my business, different things I've had to pivot over the years. And it was okay. God had a different plan for me. 
-hmm. And I just shift with, but this is my new life now. And so he, he laughed and we ended up finding out that our youngest bonus baby that we love dearly um, is going to be 16 years old. He was conceived three days before my husband's vasectomy. So totally meant to be. And uh, that year was 2004. He was born September of 2004. So I started out my homeschooling journey with an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and one on the way. So I didn't go to graduate school. People always ask, did you ever go back? I'm like, no, because that first year when I realized between us running our business and homeschooling, what that total freedom and flexibility meant for our entire family, Mm -hmm. there was no way I could ever go back to anything else. Because once you get a taste of what it can really be like, once you get past the learning curve and the beginning struggles, it's unlike anything that I could have ever imagined. And what began as this bump in my road became, became the, the beginning point for the greatest blessing and journey that I've ever been on. And that was 16 years ago. That is so crazy. Like, and the fact that, isn't it, it's so funny to me when I hear people's stuff and it's like, well, I just wouldn't listen. Or like, God is finally like, I'm telling you this, I'm telling you this and you're not listening. Okay, fine. Like here, like this, will like, this is going to have to happen because you wouldn't listen, but was a great blessing that you didn't listen because then you had your youngest, but. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, I kind of feel like that even with where we are right now with the coronavirus, you know, people, we've been go, go, go as a society for so long. And now we have this roadblock that says, okay, we're going to slow down. Mm-hmm. And I was just telling somebody on the phone this morning that if we allow it to be, there can be silver lining and blessings during this time that honestly, even for myself, I wouldn't have slowed down to see because I'm a go, go, go person. You know, in addition to homeschool CEO, I also have another business. And so I'm running two business plus homeschooling our youngest. And because we do travel roller derby and different things, like we're really active. And I'm so thankful because this has allowed me to step back and help so many other moms get started homeschooling and let them know that, yeah, none of us expected this. I didn't expect it, you know, back in 2004 either. Mm -hmm. But now looking back, I'm so grateful and thankful for every step of that journey. Yeah. Oh, it's so amazing. And I think even to mention like in your story that you had started this homeschool CEO, like again, something was planted in you, like that God was like, I need you to start this because you don't know what's coming, but the moms are going to need you. And like here again, yes, they needed you. I think like, you know, when we met coronavirus had just started and you were starting to ramp up and that's when you thought the moms needed you the most, but it's just so funny how today is no, we like really need you today because there's big decisions being made around the school year right now. There are. And I'm talking to so many moms going, what, you know, they're wondering like, what is best for my kid? Can I even teach them? What if I fail my kids? You know, you have right now, our moms are making choices between hybrid learning and umbrella schools and private going it completely private on their own and homeschooling. And I am here to tell you, you know, if deep down you're going, I, I'm not a patient teacher. I can't do this. I'm already overwhelmed enough. That is how I felt at the beginning. Like I, I get that because I was there. I didn't want to homeschool. I didn't feel like I was good at it. And that comes with time, but nobody is going to love your kids more than you do. Yeah. 100%. So why don't you tell me a little bit about like what the first year of homeschooling was like and because you had the four kids under eight and how did you, you know, was it really hard? I think that that's the biggest thing that people are afraid of is that this is going to be so hard and it's going to consume all of my time. Oh, such a good question, Michelle. So the first little bit was hard, but it was hard because I made it hard. Mm. Because my mindset was I needed to look like everybody else. I wanted, back then we didn't even have Pinterest. 
but in my mind, I saw Pinterest moms because I created them that their life was, you know, Facebook was just starting. So we didn't, thankfully Mm -hmm. we didn't even have Facebook and Instagram, but I remember going to a homeschool co-op and seeing moms whose entire lives were homeschooling. Like they knew from the minute they had that baby that they were going to be homeschooling, that they were passionate about it. And that was their life's calling. And so the first year, the first little bit, I remember thinking, well, I'm not like those moms. Mm -hmm. Therefore I must be bad or I'm doing something wrong. Or I would try to do everything they did. Back then they had this curriculum called CONUS. It was this unit study curriculum. I kid you not. It took 20 hours per week to prep the work for this. And, but it was this amazing curriculum. And I thought, I want to be a good homeschool mom. So I'm going to do that. And it was a nightmare. I was tired. I was overwhelmed. I was stressed out. And then into that second year, which is where I would just want to get all my moms to right now. Like forget my first year, Mm -hmm. learn from my mistakes. Don't do it all. You don't need to, your kids don't need it. It's unnecessary. What they need is a mom that loves them and is happy and is being the teacher they need to be. So what happened was I had a mindset shift and I realized that as a CEO, I took my the characteristics and traits that made me so successful as a business owner and started applying them to my home, to my homeschool, hence how we came up with homeschool CEO. And so I learned only focus your energy on the 20% that moves the 80% of the needle forward. Mm. You do not need to teach every single thing to your kids, especially in today's world. Like we can delegate, we can automate, like there are so many things but really focus in, you know, I, I was a minimalist homeschooling before it was even a thing because I had to be out of necessity. Mm -hmm. And so I learned it's more important to teach your children the basics, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, especially with your audience with littles, you know, they recommend 15 minutes per day of homeschooling for every grade level. So a kindergartner, you don't need to be doing more than 15 30 minutes the most. That's it. Like they learn so much just by being with you and understanding, just incorporate them into your lives. If you have a business, incorporate them into the business, but really focus on those major, those like rocks, cornerstones of their education, and then focus on who you want them to be. Like when they were little, I wanted them to be independent learners. Number one for me, independent, because Michelle, we are busy mm-hmm. and we, I did not want to raise children that were codependent on everything on me. I didn't want to have to spoon feed them. So those early years were all about teaching them the basics, how to read, how to write, how to learn on their own. And so we really focus on creativity and letting them be independent. And for our moms who have littles, that is the number one skill you're going to teach your kids this year. Okay. So, so many questions think in my mind now coming out of that, like, okay, so if I only really need 15 to 30 minutes for my kindergartner and there are so, I mean, I've kind of looked and there are so many different curriculums to choose from. Do I need, like, this is where it also, I feel like people get like, okay, do I just buy this curriculum and they're going to tell me what to do? Because I know for me with, when preschool, we came home, I bought the box. It came in a bag. I opened the bag. It has to craft. That piece is great for me because I don't have to go buy any extra stuff. And it gives me some, you know, topics to talk on. But now as you're talking, I'm thinking like, well, yes, I could come up with those things and be creative on the arts and crafts side, but do we need a curriculum or is it just, okay, I know how the letters, the sounds, you know, or do we pick like a certain type of phonics to teach so that we have sounds? Like what does that look like when picking what you're going to teach? Okay. So when my kids were little, you know, everybody wants to know which curriculum and curriculum choices can be so overwhelming. I am the first to admit I have moms right now going, there are thousands of choices. And then some of them are sold out different places. 
So I'm like, okay, first of all, totally honest, we can homeschool without ever buying a single thing. Okay. That's where you see the unschoolers come in. But I always encourage our moms to first figure out your teaching style. So Mm -hmm. there's seven major um, ways for homeschooling. So it really, and I walk through, we have a homeschool uh, boot camp that we go through and really help moms identify like, what is your teaching style first? Because every mom wants to just learn about their learning style for their kids. But if you don't like teaching it, you're not going to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, do you, do you want to just read? Do you love reading? Then you're going to look at like a Charlotte Mason. You're going to look at a reading curriculum, like sunlight, for example, where you're just reading to your kids and they're getting everything within the reading. I was not a two hour a day reader. That was not my thing. Um, Are you somebody who wants to be totally hands off? Because then you're going to want to buy like an all in one curriculum where, like you said, they just tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. Then it becomes you're delegating and you're saying, okay, maybe we don't have to do all of it. You know, I don't ever recommend that completion does not equal mastery. Mm -hmm. You know, if your kid needs to do three pages of multiplication to understand it, that's great. Let's move on. Let's not keep doing an entire chapter. It's unnecessary stuff like that. But as far as buying a curriculum, like first I would look at how you teach what you really want. Then I would look at how your kids learn. You know, if your kid is a visual learner or an audio learner, like those are different types of curriculum. So we start narrowing it down by there. And so there are so many options, but when you start to narrow down, okay, I want this kind of stuff because I'm, I want to be an all-in-one type of teacher. Like I want it boxed up, sent to me and that there are curriculums like that. And, but my kid is a audio learner. So I need stuff that has, you know, CDs or downloadable things where they can listen to stuff, you know, MP3s. You start to box that up together in a little um, sphere of, okay, now our curriculum is much more limited to choose from. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that takes away that overwhelm. But as far as when they're little, I really just, anything before like third grade, I'm looking at like the reading, the writing, and the math. That's it. Mm-hmm. And there are so many. I love, um, Matthew C. I love Matthew C for uh, math for littles. Um, older ones, I like teaching textbooks because it, there's manipulatives with it so they can touch it. They can watch a video. You don't have to do it all yourself. But there again, my kids learned multiplication by going to the grocery store with me and weighing the fruit and figuring out how much the end bill would be. You know, stuff like that, like incorporate learning into your entire lives. So your um, your curriculum doesn't have to be overcomplicated. I feel like it's so heavily marketed, you know, it's like everything, you know, it's consumerism, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we as parents can choose how much we want that to be, like how much we want to buy versus how much we want to be a minimalist. You know, if you, if you're on a budget, you can totally learn everything for free from the library. You know, if your kids want to learn about dinosaurs, pick up books about dinosaurs then they learn fine motor skills by writing about them and drawing them and all of that, that is teaching your kids to learn. Yeah. I love how you said to also think of as parents, what way we want to teach and knowing like as parents, I mean, I feel like I know, and I'm sure other parents know exactly like my oldest hates doing paperwork. He would I know, I already know that he will learn better by play and touching and he has to be active. And like, I know I am dyslexic. So my kids have an option of being dyslexic or not. They don't have an, they don't have an option if they are dyslexic, but they could be. And just knowing, um, I know like how they have to be taught. And so then even when I was choosing where my kids were going to go to school, I knew how they had to be taught in case that they were dyslexic. So that was my main focus when looking at where or picking where they would go to school. So, and sometimes I think we forget that intuitively we do know what our kids need and we just have to know that we can step up to the plate and do that. Yeah, that's so powerful. You're right because God equipped us to be our children's parent. You know, Mm -hmm. they were given to us for a reason. My youngest is also dyslexic. So 
he didn't learn to read until he was 10. And I remember sitting for all you moms who are like, I can't do this. I remember literally sitting on my couch bawling and I'm not a crier, but I was so discouraged and I was so frustrated. And I remember telling my husband, had he been my first, I would have quit homeschooling because I was so frustrated. And then we got in tested because I kept saying this kid is different than our other kids. You know, I had my other one learned to read at three on his own. And then I had one that at nine, we still didn't have basic concepts of letters. And, and I was so, I was so discouraged, but I'm so thankful that I walked through that because then once we realized um, that where dyslexia played into that, we got to change all everything. And it was amazing. And he just learns by doing, and he is so, so smart. And I realized that had he gone, you know, there are pros and cons. Had he been in a public school system, he probably would have been diagnosed a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. So maybe would have had a little more intervention at the beginning. However, he would may have also had that stigma and that label. Mm-hmm. So I'm so thankful for him that he didn't have that experience because now he's going to be 16 and he learns to advocate for himself. And he is so, so smart and where maybe one weakness is, uh, it's overpowered by all the strengths. That's the other thing, Michelle, I really want to talk about is that, um, I always tell my parents teach to your kids strengths, not their weaknesses because our traditional school system teaches to the weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I love how you said, you know, maybe it would have gotten caught more in school because I know that's another thing that parents like, well, like I'm not equipped to catch these things or what if there's other, you know, there's so many le- different learning disabilities and what if I don't catch those? And I would like to say it to like the moms that are listening and you're thinking about that as an adult who is dyslexic, was dyslexic. I didn't get caught, it didn't get caught till I was in third grade. So not that far off from when you caught it from your son. But as you're talking, the one thing I also wonder about your son is he probably never knew the difference of that he was not at the same level as other kids as to where in third and second grade, I knew that I wasn't at the same level, which, you know, played, there's a lot of mental things that go into that. And they're now discovering that they need to catch dyslexia way earlier because the, um, I don't want to say it's not mental damage, the emotional damage that it can do on kids then lasts much longer compared to if they catch it early. So, yeah, but like you just said, he, you are completely right. He didn't realize because especially because he was so much younger than the other kids, he didn't realize that people, his age, that kids, his age were at a different level and you know what I learned? So he didn't have that emotional trauma. Like it, I mean, yeah, we did have the frustration. I'm not going to lie about trying to, and that would be one thing that I would talk to. I would tell our moms, if you feel like you're hitting a brick wall, get into a homeschool group, talk about it because somebody else, see back then we didn't have those things like we do now. Yeah. Somebody else can say, Hey, you know, this might be it, but you're right. He didn't realize he was different. I didn't, I couldn't see through his eyes. I didn't know. We actually watched a movie and he, that was talked about it. And he's like, you mean everybody's numbers don't move on their papers and different things. And you, you mean like, that's, you know, he got to see the differences on some through somebody else's eyes. And I was like, Oh, and then we got him tested and sure enough, but I will tell you that you know, he wasn't, he was 10 when he learned to read. We're really open about his journey. And now there is no learning discrepancies. He's light years ahead of kids his age. And it didn't matter that I didn't catch it, you know, quote unquote, soon enough, or what professionals would say. The fact is we loved him through that. And he learned to be determined and think outside of the box. And he learned to self-advocate mm-hmm. all of all of those things that even, you know, like with homeschool CEO, we actually have a special needs advocacy, um, a homeschool specialist on staff that works with our special needs families to be like, Hey, here's other options you can try because we can, you, you know, you taught your kid to walk and talk and all of these things in life long before it was a label that they thought differently. Right. And all kids walk at different at different times and we don't judge them for, you know, oh, we walked really early or, or they walk later. They all end up 
walking. Yeah. Well, and what if what we call learning disabilities are really blessings because it's just another part of their brain that is so much more refined. And what if who, you know, honestly, he may never go, he may never write a novel and that's okay. He may never, he'll probably never read a novel. I can tell you that he might listen to one, but he'll never read it, but he can put together a desk from Ikea in less than 15, 20 minutes. You know, it just, he's so mechanically Mm -hmm. inclined and that is what he's put here to do. He's an incredible community builder. You like, people always talk about me being a community builder, but I'm like, my youngest has that same, that same connection. And we spend so much time in traditional schooling, focusing on what they don't have and they can't do that. We forget to really focus on who they are and who they can become based on their natural gifts and their natural inclinations. Mm, That's so good. So many things like offline. I want to, we could talk about your son as you're talking. I'm like, yep. And I bet he puts that Ikea desk together without the directions too. And looks at the picture, you know, he sure does. Or he'll get on YouTube and watch somebody else do it and be like, yep. Okay. I got it. And you know, yeah, because he's learned other ways of learning. And that's a huge thing with our moms that are considering going, okay, distance learning may not work this year. It's hybrid learning and crisis schooling, you know, that, that is stressful. Mm -hmm. If that is what your school is proposing this year, I would really, really, really encourage you to at least consider going on your own. And one year, honest to goodness, Michelle, is not going to affect your kids in the long term. You know, when our kids were, let's see, Brandon was two. So it would have been the other kids were seven, eight, and 10. No, yes, around there. My husband broke his back. And so he didn't walk for nine months. And we had, I, you know, he literally laid in a hospital bed. I was the caretaker. I had to run the business full time by myself, homeschool the kids. Honest to goodness, we did zero schoolwork that year because I didn't have the bandwidth. I didn't have the capacity. Do you know, none of my children suffered from that because they learned compassion and structure and selflessness and all of these other things that carried them through to learning whatever, whatever educational gaps were there that year. You know, we were still talking, we were doing school as far as like our life, but I didn't do a single workbook. I didn't do a single structured learning time during that year because all I could do was survive. Mm -hmm. And that might be where some of our moms are right now. And I just want to let you know, in the grand scheme of life, your kids are going to be okay. Mm -hmm. They're going to keep learning. They're going to keep moving forward. Yeah, a hundred percent. I so agree with that. And even there's been moms as I've been talking to friends and neighbors and stuff like that, I've said they're we're also worried. And it's like, at the same time, granted, my son's birthday is a little bit later in the school year. So I have said, worst comes to worse, he repeats kindergarten, like, you know, or if there's no big deal, or I think we all need to wrap our heads around the fact that there's going to be so much grace around this time. And all of these kids in school right now, we're going to all know they had this year and there might be some kids that they're going to be like, Hey, they probably need to take the, you know, or be held back or whatever. And the, and the, it's going to be interesting because I feel like some of the ages are going to kind of flow in like a normal school setting that they may not all be the same age because people may come and go in different stuff. And which is very interesting to me. And I think that just to remind moms to give yourself grace and the fact that like, you're not going to ruin your kid if you know, they, something has to happen or you've got to have some extra intervention to come in because something lacked. Um, and and that's not a bad thing either, but I would love for you to kind of talk a little bit around because the homeschool CEO, your whole business is about moms who are working and how do we do this or own our own business. But I also know there's a lot of moms right now who their jobs have said, well, you can be home, but you can't be the main caretaker of your kids. Like you can be home. So there's an adult with your kids, but you need to be working full time or, you know, kids are going to grandparents and there's just so many different, um, ebbs and flows going on in people's lives. So how do we make this work of owning a business or working full time and still homeschool kids? 
Yes, that is such a great question. So a lot of, because of everything that's going on, homeschool CEO has attracted quite a few work from home moms. Same like what you're saying, you know, maybe they have high achieving jobs and their companies have said, you know, you can work remotely, but you can't be mom at the same time. You know, you have to compartmentalize. And as moms, our brains don't work like that. Like we, right. right? I mean, we're like the spaghetti plate, everything intertwines. And so uh, boxing this up is a challenge, you know, whether you own your own business or whether you're working from home, obviously when you own your own business, you have more flexibility because you're in control of things. But a lot of our moms do uh, have corporate jobs where they are, there's a lot of pressure on them that they have a quiet background. I mean, there's some grace given the situation, but mm-hmm. they still are expected that kids are somewhere else, you know, that they're not part of the work day, you know, Monday through Friday, eight to five type of thing. And so this is how we make that work. First, we have to batch our time. We have to get more efficient. We have to get more efficient with our work. We have to get more efficient with our household activities, homeschooling, all of that. So with Homeschool CEO, we work on two different things. It's streamline your life and your business and then streamline your homeschooling so that neither one of them become overwhelming. So if you have a mom, let's talk about the moms who are working from home. So their their schedule is being dictated by somebody else because that's different than owning your own business. And I would argue more complicated given the situation for sure. Mm -hmm. So what I would say to that mom is, first of all, let's be realistic as far as what your work hours are. That is going to become the anchor for your day because we all have different seasons of life and we all have different expectations. And so if you have a job where they are saying you have to work Monday through Friday, eight to five, for example, that just becomes your anchor. And so everything else is going to work around that. And so what I would do first is I would start by sectioning off your day. So I would spend time with the kids in the mornings to kind of fill their cup first because a child who feels seen and heard and valued is much more likely to be okay when you're not paying attention to them. So I always, in that situation, I would put the kids first, you know, if you need to get up earlier than them and work beforehand, you know, if you have flex hours, I would recommend Mm -hmm. that. But if you, if you can't, if you can't work flex hours, spend time with the kids first. If you need to take them outside, play with them, whatever you need to do. Then I would organize things for them to do and give them tasks, like educational tasks. Montessori is really great about this. You know, they call them um, works. Like if you remember back when we were little, we had centers, you know, Mm -hmm. so like learning centers, it's kind of similar to that. And so I would use like a plastic bin just to be super practical and say, you know, this is your project for today. Put all the stuff in there. So they understand, like if you're learning about dinosaurs, for example, you're going to put the stuff in there whatever the book is, and you're going to kind of give them a checklist of what they need to be doing. One of the best suggestions that I've ever heard, I did not come up with it. It's actually from Julie uh, Lausse from the Bossy House. She runs a Montessori school and they use sand timers from Amazon. Super cheap sand timers because littles don't have concept of time. But if you give them a sand timer and she works their way up from 15 minutes to 30 minutes to 45 minutes, you flip that sand timer over and it's, you can't bother mommy. But I never pose it in the negative. I would say, you get mommy time when the sand runs through. Mm. So they can see it. So you have them working on something. You're telling them this is what we're doing. And then they're watching that sand go through and when that's all the way through. And so like, if you have a business meeting, that's 45 minutes long, that's perfect. When the sand goes through, then there's mom time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And I think that, you know, even I'm thinking about how practical that even is for, I know our neighbors have kids that are, you know, second, third grade, you know, much older. So they can, you know, their concept of time is a little bit better, but to realize like, okay, so if we spend the time in the morning and then they have these set activities and there's check-in time so that they are getting 
some quality time and we stop, we're all allowed breaks, even though sometimes in some workplaces we feel like we're not, you're legally allowed, you know, to take that break and spend a few minutes with them of either reviewing or going over and then they set the next activity and we go back to work. Yeah, exactly. And it's all about creating a schedule that is not to the minute because that just puts added pressure, but it's a, we're big on block timing. So, you know, like this is your block from eight to 10 AM. You're working on these things during that time. And then the same thing with my moms, when you're working, you're also blocking your time. So, you know, during that time, that's when you're working on emails or whatever is the most important thing. And I, as the kids get older, the schedule becomes really important and have them help you create a schedule, you know, make a schedule for their chores. Do not. I always tell my working moms, I have not done laundry since my oldest was 10 years old. (laughs) I haven't. Okay. I've been raising kids a long time, but I don't do that stuff. Delegate. That's part of being a CEO. Delegate your housework, delegate, whatever you can delegate. If you need to hire help, you know, I have a household assistant that comes in now. I pay her just for the record. I live in Iowa. Our minimum wage is very low. Cost of living is very low. I do not live in California. So I don't want to get any hate mail saying this is slave labor, but um, I pay her $13 an hour and she comes in and she does all the grocery shopping. She does all the cooking and the cleaning and stuff. I also have two businesses and I'm still homeschooling, but you know, there is help that's affordable. If you need a VA for your, if you're self-employed, if you need a VA, you know, you get all of those things. We find a way to make it work. Like I always tell my moms, it's a mindset shift. It's not, I can't do this. It's how, how do I do this? And then we find ways to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And, and remembering that like our kids are capable of taking care of certain things and reminding them, you know, and we've started, my oldest is five and he started to do chores and he has a lot of accomplishment around when he gets to like finish, you know, some of the things that he does. They're not always done perfectly. The vacuum is not always quite, it might not be the whole floor, but most of it got vacuumed and that's good. That is good, but you're building, but Michelle, you're building that confidence in him and that intrinsic motivation. You know, I feel like traditional schooling is all about extrinsic motivation and extrinsic punishment. You know, they get a gold star if they do a good job or they get their name on the board if they mess up. It's all about external, but when you're giving him a chore, what you just said, he feels so accomplished Mm -hmm. and that is going to help when we can take that and apply it to their learning that is going to be, that is going to raise up a child who loves learning and is intrinsically motivated to be the better version of themselves. And that's what schooling is all about. Like helping them be the best person that they can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So another question I'm also thinking is I've seen on Instagram, you know, like you said back in the day, you didn't have social media. I always wonder like, what? what did a life like that feel like, you know, like, because you weren't so connected to see pictures of what everyone was doing all the time. And right right now I feel like on social media, I see all these people like, okay, well, if I'm going to do this homeschool thing, we're going all in and the room has to look like a classroom and it has to have all these things. And so I would love for you to touch on like, what are some key things? Like if we've decided, okay, we're going to homeschool or we are going to do the distance learning and they are going to maybe get on some zoom calls. So that is technically, I mean, you're pretty much homeschooling from what I've heard from my friends when it comes to the distance learning. Um, what are key things that you think like, okay, if you're, we're going to do this, you need to at least get these things. Okay. So as far as buying things, Mm -hmm. honestly, I'm just going to be honest, Michelle, you can homeschool without buying anything. However, If your moms want to buy something because it makes them feel more confident, then that's one thing. So the first, we're going to start out with a schedule and we're really going to identify your priorities and what you want your kids to learn this year. So once you've identified that, you know, and your stuff is going to be different than anybody else's and that's okay. You know, you might really want to focus on science this year, or you might really want to focus on history, or maybe just like if my kid can read and write, 
that is what my goal is. And that all of that's okay. So once you identify that, you could buy basic curriculum and I would keep it basic, at least for the youngers. Like I said, third grade and younger. Now, as you start to get older, um, it gets a little bit different, especially when you get into junior high and high school. But I know most of your audience has the younger crowd. Mm -hmm. So you're going to get that. You're going to get high quality things versus cheap things. That's just my opinion because they last, but your kid doesn't need four boxes of crayons. I would get them basic art supplies. Honestly, like we're, we homeschooled for a year out of an RV. It was the best year of our lives. We had one school cabinet. It was, I know you guys can't see my hands, but I mean, it was a tiny itty bitty cabinet, like 14 inches by 14 inches. My kids had a bin. Literally everything we homeschooled was out of that one of those wire crates. Super simple. Um, your kid needs a notebook. Like let them draw in a notebook, let them write, let them journal, uh, anything like that. You need something that's going to spark creativity because that is the beginning source of the learning. Like what are they curious about? That is where they start their learning journey. So something to spark creativity. Most of my moms do school at the dining room table. I know it's not super sexy to take pictures of and post on Instagram. That's why you don't necessarily see those on Instagram, Mm -hmm. but that's real life for most of us. With 16 years of homeschooling, I had three years where I had a homeschool room. And to be honest, we didn't even use it. My kids still ended up back at the dining room table. Mm. So really you just need to pick a schedule. You need to pick where you're going to do it, where you're going to homeschool, where you're going to teach them. And then basic materials, you know, you want, if you want to do reading, writing, and math, those are kind of foundational things. So you might want a basic curriculum for those, depending on where your child is. And uh, other than that, I would ask your kids what they want to learn about. Like when it comes to history and science, because when they want to learn it, they're going to remember it. Yes. Oh, that is, it's so true because like, I think about even in high school and even in college, you know, there's classes that you're forced to take and then there's classes. It's, it was amazing to me. And I just always thought it was like, oh, maybe because I'm in college now and dyslexic, or maybe I finally figured out the magic, you know, like however I took tests, but I had one teacher who taught in the way that I knew she, her daughter was dyslexic. So, um, she taught, so that dyslexic people could learn. She did a whole bunch of different things, but she taught in a way that I wanted to learn. Mm -hmm. And then I realized in college, I did so much better and my grades were so much better, but I was also taking classes I, I liked and I cared about, you know, like college is really the first time where we get to be like, I love art and I loved taking art history classes and learning why are these things in these paintings compared to, you know, science class. <laughs> My senior year of high school, I dropped physics and joined the band because <laughs> I went to one day of physics because I already knew I wanted to be like an art and a theater major. I went to one day of physics and I said to the teacher the next day, I was like, listen, I don't need this to get into college and I'm never going to use it and I'm going to join the band. And she was like, and I, she knew my reasoning was right, but my high school was very big because it was an all girls school that, that women took physics and we did all these things. And she was like, I really think you could do this class, but I understand where you're coming. Like, I understand what you're, you're saying, you know? And so they gave me the, you know, she didn't fight me the fact because I was like I'm gonna go join the band I'm gonna be the whole percussion section because I really like music and it's my senior year you know so it was stuff though that I cared about and I love how you touched on that piece because when our kids are interested in it there's other ways to slip in the things that we need them to learn right yeah yeah and I always ask my moms who are really terrified of failing their kids, um, which is a very real fear. I went through that as well. You know, I got 4.0s in high school and college and, but it was only because I was a good test taker. I, I don't remember any of that stuff. You know what I do remember? I remember certain classes in college because I cared about them. And there are a few classes in grade school that I actually remember too, but it all came down to me wanting to learn it. And there are lots of things I didn't learn so many things I didn't learn in grade school and high school. 
And then as an adult, I could go back and learn it. Mm -hmm. You know, I know moms are like, well, I don't know chemistry. That's okay. I took chemistry in high school. I didn't know any of it when my <laughs> when my kids had to learn it, or I had one who wanted to learn it, so she learned it. We YouTubed it. We hired a um, local college student to come tutor. We don't have to learn it all. Mm-hmm. Like all of that is okay. And if your kid is under sixth grade, I guarantee you can learn it right along with them if you need to. And if you don't know it, there's a high likelihood they probably don't need to know it either. Mm. That is amazing. And I love the fact that you said, like, hire a college student, because that college student, if that's like their major, that's what they love. And they like would like, that probably makes them so excited. And it's good resume builder for them to say that they then taught this other student. Yeah. Well, and, and when they, when the teacher loves it, they're passionate about it. And that passion can ignite a passion in your child And if you're not passionate about it, we probably don't belong teaching it anyway. You know, we get, we can facilitate it for sure. But as far as being that hands-on primary teacher, if it's important to your child, I would really find somebody who's equally passionate about it. And yeah, we never paid very much in the, the high or the college students loved teaching it because that was their jam. That's what they enjoyed doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love, even as you're talking, I'm thinking I've made comments with friends like, all right, well, if we end up being forced to do this thing, um, we are going to maybe like pod school or something like I'll be in charge of the arts and crafts and I'll go take them on the hikes. And, um, yeah. I can maybe like facilitate the letter tracing, but someone else better do the math. Cause no one wants the dyslexic <laughs> teaching their kid math. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I could, But, you know, it's just realizing like, okay, well, we'll just give that strength to somebody else. Or if I had to teach it, I could. Yeah, yeah, you could. And I think community is so important in the homeschool community uh, as far as connections. And I have a daughter who is an exquisite, talented artist. Okay, Jennifer has zero artistic ability. Like I, that is not my thing. She is now a very accomplished uh, tattoo artist out down in Nashville, Tennessee. She's amazing. But the thing is, I was not an artist and I knew that. And so we enrolled her in, in a co-op where the different moms taught different things. And uh, we had a mom who was a phenomenal artist teach her. And guess what? I didn't feel guilty that I've never taught my kids arts and crafts because we just delegated that out. I taught writing. I taught speech. You know, I, t- I imagine that I taught communication <laughs> skills. Yeah because a lot of people are scared of like public speaking. And I was like, oh yeah, sign me up. I can teach your kids to get on a stage and talk, things like that. But I feel like with Instagram and Pinterest, we see it and we think every mom is doing all the things. And I am here to tell you, don't even try. That is the fastest way to burn out and overwhelm and frustration. It is so not worth it. We do not have to do all the things in our lives. It is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has all been so good. And so now I'm thinking, okay, there might be a mom who's listening and they're like, okay, Jennifer, that sounds all and great. And I can see where you're coming from, but listen, my son and I, which you and I talked about this could not sit down together because we like clash and we butt heads because we are the exact same person. I totally understand how you think. So him and I can easily just push each other's buttons. What is your advice for moms when it comes to things like that? Because I know there are moms who are sitting thinking like, I would love to homeschool or that could be an option, but there is no way that we could sit down and probably get through a day of teaching something because we're sometimes some parents and kids are oil and vinegar. Yeah, actually I had one like that. My number three, the one that started reading at three years old We are identical. This is also my child that moved out on his 18th birthday under not so great terms because I'm I'm super honest and transparent. We had a rough relationship. Now we are the best of friends, but because we were so much the same, it didn't, it was a, we had to really find our rhythm and our dance. And sometimes they were difficult days. Like I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Because when you have two people that are exactly the same, we do some where they're the best of friends or the worst of enemies, right? Mm -hmm. And because you're right, we know how to push each other's buttons. And so with him, 
what I learned, and this is going to be different on your child's personality as well. But with him, what I learned to do is step back out of the way and trust that what was strong in in me was also strong in him and that he would keep moving forward. And I gave him a lot of independence and I guess control of the direction of his education. And because of that, you know, he is right now, he's 21 years old. He is a crazy successful entrepreneur. I mean, he comes to me with his bank reports every month and his profit and loss statements, and he blows my mind. But I will tell you, I always tell parents, you know, it's so hard. He was a really strong-willed child, still is very strong-willed. And I always say, you know, it's hard to raise those kids, but those are the kids that are going to change the world. Mm -hmm. And I would just tell that mom, you can homeschool that child, but you have to do it with grace and compassion for yourself and for them And you have to let go of those expectations that it's going to be by the book because generally those kids don't go by the book for anything in their whole lives. And that's okay because guess what? Like I said, those are the people who brave the new paths and change the world for all the rest of us. They're the visionaries. Yes. Like I 100% believe that. And it is like our Turner, not that I, I don't love Thatcher, my youngest, you know, he's still three, his gifts have not come, but we've always said there's something about Turner. And even when he was very little and I was struggling between this, like, do I just be a stay at home mom? Do I do my own thing? Was I just meant to be, you know, like, I've just always felt like there's something about him that I have to guard or foster in him which it could just be because he's so much like me, but you are right. Those are the kids that often go on to change a lot of things. Um, Okay. So my last question though, that as I'm kind of thinking, and I know that even though so many of us have these kids going into kindergarten and a lot of the listeners have little kids, so many, many people always think like, okay, well, if I do this, but is it going to prepare them if I decide to send them to high school? Are they going to be prepared if I homeschool them through high school to then go to college because they've never sat in a classroom and learned, but in college they have to? Um, What is your advice or what would you say to moms that are kind of having those thoughts? All right. So I think a lot of that question is really rooted in that internal struggle of what if I fail my kids? Mm Mm-hmm. What if instead of setting them up for success, I'm setting them up for failure, right? I mean, that's ultimately we have to face that fear and we're projecting that out onto everything that we're doing around us. So uh, what I would say to that mom is, first of all, I promise that we're just talking right now. We're not talking about the rest of like your rest of your child's education. We're just talking about right now because of our current situation regardless of what you choose this year, you're not going to ruin your kids. Okay. (laughs) One year will never, it just isn't going to ruin your kids. But if you want to homeschool long-term and you're worried about, will they be able to get into college? Will they be able to be a productive member of society? You know, I've graduated three out of my four. One went to college, two chose different paths because they're entrepreneurs and they felt like, uh, traditional schooling was not for them. But, uh, I will tell you that we learn as humans what we need to learn when we need to learn it. So if you put them in high school, you know, I had one that did go to public high school. They decided to try it. Um, He ended up coming back after two years because he wanted to graduate himself. Um, That's also my one who's 21 running his own business. But, uh, you know, he was homeschooled the whole up until from he's the one that we pulled at preschool. So from kindergarten all the way through eighth grade is when he was homeschooled at ninth grade, he went to public school. And I had those same fears because I had assumed that my kids, you know, we had a joke and we said, well, when they get to high school, we'll let them choose as long as it was the choice that we chose for them. And so <laughs> and in my, my perfect little world, I thought, well, I love, we love homeschooling. We love the freedom and the flexibility. And why would anybody want something different? But he did choose something different because our local school wouldn't let him be on basketball teams until unless he was part of the school. Mm. And that's dependent on your school system. And that was a huge priority for him. And so he did choose that. So I'm saying that to say this. 
I didn't even homeschool with the intention of sending my kids to high school. And then when he chose it, I did have those fears. Like, what if I didn't prepare him well enough? This child walked in. He got all A's because like high school, junior high, high school is not what we think it is. Like we envision it's this super stressful, hard experience, but it's not, you know, he figured it out as he went. He did very, very well, had lots of friends, had a great overall experience. I still chose to come home at the end of the sophomore year, but that was more because he wanted to explore other options. It wasn't because of a struggle in high school. Mm-hmm. And then as far as getting into college, I, you know, I had one that we homeschooled all the way through and graduated and went to college. Colleges today are really favorable to homeschoolers because they know that homeschoolers know how to learn on their own. They, they're creative thinkers. They, they're really great students. Like they just are, they come with a lot of enrichment that when you put kids in situations where they're only around kids their same age, that maybe they don't get because they get a lot of life experiences as homeschoolers. So colleges, you know, I have a friend who's a college recruitment specialist and she said, you know, we look, we look for homeschoolers because we know that they are bringing something so valuable to the table. So that fear, we can just release that and let that go, you know, that your kids will be prepared. You know, actually, when you get to high school and stuff, you do have to keep a little better records of what you're doing, just in case the college they choose to go to Mm -hmm. uh, wants to see that. But honestly, I don't believe if you if you love your child and you you want the best for them, like you want the best education for this next year, you're going to provide that you instinctually are going to provide that. Yeah. Oh, so good. And so much, like such good information. And I know that we've touched on so many little different nuggets that I know that there's something in here for every mom that listens. Um, So if you had one last piece of advice or if there's anything else that we maybe didn't touch on that you're like, okay, listen, mama, you need to know this. Um, Do you have anything else that you would like to tell the moms? Yeah. Something that I wish somebody had told me back 16 years ago during those early years when I thought I had to do it all is that even if you make this long to-do list and you want to teach your kids everything there is to know, you do not have to teach it right now. Mm. Your child is going to be learning for the rest of their lives. And it's more important that you're teaching them to be leaders and to be independent and critical thinking skills and to in who they are and to be generous and kind and disciplined and those things, it's more important who you're focusing on this next year of who they're being than any to-do list. And they're going to learn it all. They have a lifetime to learn. So just release that pressure, show yourself some grace and you got this. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. So, okay. The last question I always ask everyone on the podcast is if you could go back and think about the gen when the kids were in their little years and so often we can look back on ourselves and say like, oh, I wish I could go back and tell the gen then what the gen now wants to tell her. What would you say? Oh, that's a good one. I think I would tell her Learn to let go because I feel like we as moms are gatherers, like we get this to-do list and we want all these things. And really what I've achieved in life, you know, people look at my life and they're like, man, you have just done so many things, but it wasn't because I was trying to do everything. It was because I was letting go of the stuff that didn't really matter. Mm. That is so good. And it is, it's so true that, and I can even attest to that when you just let go, because I told you before, I'm such a flowy person that when you just let go and release to what's happening, um, it's a lot less stressful. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I know there was only one thing, but I want to say one other thing too, just because I think it really speaks to where our moms are right now. When, what I wish I could go back and tell that first, you know, the gen from 16 years ago was, I think at some level I immediately pivoted, but deep down, I don't know that I embraced this road bump as the blessing that it ended up really being. Mm -hmm. And I think, 
I think it probably took me a full year to really get that mindset of, wow, what could have been this catastrophic detour and people could have, you know, people would say things like, aren't you disappointed? You worked so hard to get to graduate school and then you lost it all, but I didn't lose it because I gained so, so much. And I look back over the last 16 years and I wouldn't have traded a single moment for anything. Yeah. Oh, so good. And such a great way to end the podcast. I know that I'm sure there are so many moms that are going to want to continue this conversation with you or have more questions. So where can they find you after this podcast? All right. So you can find me on all the social media at homeschool CEO, Instagram, Facebook, um, website is homeschoolceo.com. But I do want to tell you, Michelle, about something really special. I know um, we're getting this podcast out as soon as possible. Next week, I'm holding a homeschool CEO boot camp. It's homeschoolceobootcamp.com. And if you go to homeschoolceobootcamp.com forward slash busy, you're going to get 25% off my boot camp. It's a three day virtual event where I'm actually going to spend time with our moms live training, getting them started homeschooling to take away that overwhelm. I'm going to walk through with them. It's live coaching, teaching them how to identify learning styles, teaching styles figuring out what's really important. And over the course of those three days, we're going to get you guys started homeschooling so that you don't have to feel alone and stressed out and just to make things as simple and as easy as possible as it can be during this time. And I, that gives everybody 25% off everything. So if they want to come join me over there, um, I'm honored to help you because I remember what it's like having littles going, oh my goodness, everything is so expensive. And there's just so many, you know, more money's going out than coming in sometimes, especially when you have kids in diapers and everything else. Totally get that. So yeah, and that's homeschoolceobootcamp.com forward slash busy. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And I cannot wait to get this out to the mamas. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Busy Years Podcast. This episode's show notes and all past episode show notes can be found at michellehagan.com slash podcast. I would love to put a face to the listener. Come over and join me on Instagram at michelleannhagan. Or you can join me in our private Facebook community just for the Busy Years podcast listeners called Hey Mama, Let's Connect. This is a community where you can dig in a little bit deeper to your dreams, share your dreams out loud with like-minded people, let people cheer you on in what you are currently doing to chase your dreams, and learn a little bit more about our episodes, and I'll even pop it in there every once in a while to teach live. I can't wait to see you and meet you, my friends. Hey, Mama. Did you need someone to remind you that you are worthy of your dreams? That you can take action in the middle of motherhood? I just wanted to pop in and give you another reminder, friend, that you got this. You can do this in the middle of motherhood, no matter how busy the years get.